What's up, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. Devin Ashby is on the show this week. You might know him from the YouTube channel Backcountry Exposure. He's a bit different than a lot of my other guests, I guess. He's not a thru-hiker. He's mostly just a very avid section hiker, weekend warrior type of hiker. Now, this dude loves the mountains so much that he started this YouTube channel like six or seven years ago. I can't even remember how many years ago, honestly. We talk about it in the episode, but he started this YouTube channel dedicated to the outdoors, and that's honestly what we talk about quite a bit in this episode. I mean, we both have YouTube channels, so naturally we're going to kind of talk about that quite a bit. So if you're curious about some of the behind the scenes stuff in terms of like the backpacking YouTube through hiking niche, then uh, this should be interesting. We also talk a little bit about living in Utah, some of the hiking there. At the beginning of the episode, we talk about fishing. That's right. This quarantine has got me so bored that I took up fishing. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a really cool chat. It was a lot of fun getting to know Devin. And yeah, I, I am excited to say that I'm hopefully going to be a guest on his podcast sometime soon, sometime in the future as well. So Devin, when you hear this, thank you so much. And also thank you for your audio quality because honestly your end sounds better than my end which is not normal for these episodes so yeah dude thank you so much let's do it again soon that said we're gonna get into the conversation in just a second can you tell i'm kind of going through this pretty quick here instagram my instagram is at kyle hates hiking the show's instagram is at trail Tales pod my youtube channel is again kyle hates hiking go look that up because like i said we talk about that quite a bit in this episode and email trailtalespod at gmail.com send me an email tell me where you're from what you like about the show any suggestions for guests or anything else in relation to trail tales i would really appreciate that and then lastly if you are new here if this is your first time listening go listen to some of the other episodes there's 72 other episodes at this time that you can go listen to trailtalespod.com is the place to do that or just look it up on the podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. I would really appreciate that. So I think with that said, we're going to keep this one real short, guys. Let's get into it. My conversation with Devin Ashby, the creator behind the YouTube channel Backcountry Exposure. Devin Ashby for Backcountry Exposure. Here we go. Yeah, I think man. this is... Episode seventy three of Trail Tales. I'm wow. gonna go with. I'm gonna go with seventy three. I, I think it's seventy three. Um, dude, what's up? Thanks for taking the time today. I'm stoked. Well, it's it's a good break for me. I've been painting my kitchen all day, so it's nice to have a reason <laughs> to sit down and have a conversation about backpacking. That's right, man. I, I know I said I know I said no COVID talk right before this, but I, I am curious, like what you've been doing. Uh, as far as like your quarantine, like what you've been doing now that you're kind of stuck with the uh, the family back home. Yeah, so I have I have two young daughters, and I'm not actually currently working right now. I got furloughed from my job, so my wife, surprisingly enough, has become very busy with her job. So I've kind of become the the stay at home dad and just taking care of my kids and trying to get outside as much as possible. Yeah, when man, it's, when it's available, but. Yeah. yeah. Where where are you uh, located? So I'm in the Salt Lake City area of gotcha. Utah. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're not in not in Burlington anymore. No. <laughs> I'd like to be. I miss that place a lot. 
It's it's all right. I'm sure. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Salt Lake City is a little bit nicer this time of year. But um, now that it's starting to become spring here, uh, you know, it's starting to it's starting to be a little bit nicer outside. A little bit of a tease because we're really not supposed to be hiking right now. Not not just because <laughs> of the COVID stuff, but also just because of mud season and this time of year. Yeah. They, yeah the Green Mountain sure. Club doesn't like us to be out on the trail. So although that being said, it's really not too muddy right now. But um, obviously that could change. Right. So. You know, um, well, dude, I I'm sorry to hear about your job, but it sounds like you're doing okay, which is which is good. Um, I'm pretty bored, honestly. I've been I still have a job, so that's nice. But uh, <laughs> I've just been like stuck inside. I started fishing. I started, and I I've I stalked your Instagram before this. I know you fish a little bit as well, right? Yeah, I've well, so I've been fishing for my whole life, but just last year in September, I purchased my first fly rod. And ever since then, I've just been like obsessed over fly fishing and everything I'm doing, like pretty much all of the videos that I'm watching on YouTube right now are fly fishing videos. <laughs> are there, are there, like, is that like a whole niche too? On Are there like a backpacking-esque channels for like fishing and stuff? There's got to be, right? Yeah. So I haven't found necessarily channels that are like, let's go watch somebody go on a fishing trip or that kind of thing. <laughs> it's been, it's really been like, uh, not stuff and casting and just like everything more tutorials. Yeah. Like the education side that I guess all of the like backpacking talking head videos mm-hmm. accomplish of like, here's tips of how to pack your backpack. I mean, it's, it's that same kind of thing of how to set up your fly rod. And so I've just been obsessing over that and spending a lot of time in, trying to learn how to properly fly, fly fish. Have you combined your love for fly fishing and your love for backpacking yet? Yes. <laughs> and that's what I'm interested in hearing because like I, I like drunkenly bought a fishing license like last week, like it's just on a whim. So I've only been fishing for like a fucking week. So that's my disclaimer there. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm already like scheming a little bit. I don't know if I would like bring it on like a backpacking trip because I like to go pretty hard and pack light and stuff, but on just like a day hike, certainly I could see myself, you know, hiking out a couple miles and trying to find like some backcountry rivers, something like that. But anyways, yeah, dude, um, backpacking and fishing at the same time. It, it does sound pretty dope, honestly. Yeah. So I don't remember what it what it's like in, in New Hampshire and Vermont and like in the green mountains or in the whites of how many lakes and like rivers are in that area. But here in Utah, there's an area called the high you went to wilderness. And there are thousands and thousands of lakes in that area. It's pretty much like I'm going to go on a backpacking trip in the Uintas and which lakes do I want to damn like basically visit as I'm doing my trip. So you're never not near water and the fishing in those lakes is amazing. There's huge uh, brook trout, tiger trout, uh, rainbows, just the fishing's amazing. So when I got my fly rod last year, I took it on two different trips and I was like, man, these like rod tubes for, your your fly rod are huge yeah i was gonna say they're they're like three feet long i mean and then you've got like your reel that you have to attach and so it's kind of cumbersome to put that in a backpack when you are already for like a a weekend trip or whatever yeah yeah 35 40 liter backpack so i had been on the search for quite some time to find something that made 
fly fishing on a backpacking trip easier. And that's when I found Tenkara fishing, which is a Japanese style of fly fishing. So it's really, really simplistic. Mm. You have you have a really short like telescoping rod when it comes down to like its packed size that doesn't have a reel to it. Oh, so shit. When, when you, yeah, so when you extend it out, it's anywhere from 8 feet to 13 feet, depending on what rod you get. Mm-hmm. But there's no reel to it. It just has a fixed line at the end of the rod. And it's an incredible style of fishing. Um, so I've already purchased one style of, of Tenkara rod. And I've got another one that I just backed on Kickstarter that they break down to anywhere from like 15 to 20 inches. Oh, wow. And they weigh two ounces. And then you add just a a few ounces for flies and right, line right. and that kind of stuff. And I mean, five, six ounces, you're fly fishing in the backcountry. Which is, which is super sick. Damn. Maybe I'll... <laughs> Then again, I just started with normal fishing, so I know fly fishing is like a whole nother ball game. But uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds enticing, dude. Like now that now that I'm like thinking about fishing, and now that I've got the YouTube channel and bringing out camera gear and stuff like this on my next hike, like I don't even like I, I feel <laughs> like sure. my entire like I don't even know like backpacking is going to be way different this year than it was <laughs> any other year. I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to be able to make as many miles, but we'll see. Um, yeah, dude, that's that sounds sick. I I've there's a couple hikes I did in the Adirondacks. There's not too much that I'm aware of here in Vermont as far as uh, like back. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some stuff, but nothing like major. But over in the Adirondacks, just across Lake Champlain, there's mm-hmm. so many freaking lakes and rivers like all over the place there. And a few years ago, like four or five years ago now, a long time ago, when I tried to hike the Northville Placid Trail with my buddy Dan, he brought his pole on that that trail and i don't know if you're familiar it's it's a pretty uh low elevation trail so so yeah, yeah Adirondacks. obviously there's lots of mountains there but the the mpt pretty much just goes lake to lake river to river super low elevation wet very wet trail and so dan brought his pole we did like 90 miles on this trail before we bailed and uh, he, <laughs> he he was fishing every day every time we'd come to a, a lake or a river or something and he didn't even get a single bite let alone actually catch a fish so after uh, that, I was kind of like, all right, maybe maybe fishing maybe it's is... not worth it. <laughs> yeah. But then again, we, we <laughs> went on another hike a couple years later, again, in the Adirondacks, the Cranberry Lake 50, and he caught like two trout. I, th- I think they were trout um, in one of the, the backcountry lakes on that hike, and we were able nice. to like cook them over the fire. And, oh, nice. And like he filleted them and did like, I don't, I don't really know how to do any of that stuff because i still have yet to catch a fish but uh you know that was cool so maybe i'll have to give it a try i don't know dude but anyways we're almost nine minutes in and i haven't even had you introduce yourself yet so why don't you do that um just for those who aren't familiar yeah who are you what have you hiked talk about your channel all that stuff yeah so i i'm Devin ashby and i'm the I don't know, the owner, creator, the person (laughs) behind uh, Backcountry Exposure on YouTube. And man, my my outdoor (laughs) resume is, I'm not sure where to start because, I mean, the outdoors and backpacking have been something that I've done basically all all my life. Um, And so it's hard to say when I exactly started backpacking. I was probably seven, eight years old. 
And then pretty much just been a, a weekend warrior type of, of backpacker my whole life. I've The longest distance trip I've done is about 65 miles. Oh, damn. So um, my style of backpacking is is far from through hiking or from section hiking and that kind of mentality. But more primarily now, it's very exploratory, mm. if that's the right, if that's a word. So I like to explore as many areas in different areas in Utah as possible. So I've kind of like created this tick list of either off trail type of places or desert canyons or these really kind of aggressive loops that piece together different short trails to create uh, going over these pretty gnarly passes in the mountains and connecting trails that way. Dude, that sounds sick. Yeah, so I'm I like to do things that allow me to experience a different part of the state and see a different canyon or just experience something different. Right, right. So I'm seeing as many different places as possible as opposed to trying to rack up as many miles as possible. Right. And, and honestly, that's one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you because you are definitely a, a different kind of guest than I usually talk to. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy to just go from through hiker to through hiker to peak bagger to peak bagger. And, you know, I, I love talking to those people. That's, that's who I am. So I'm going to continue to talk to those people, but it is kind of cool yeah, yeah. to change it up a little bit. So are you, so I know you, you obviously Utah now, but are you like, did you grow up in Utah? Like, sounds like you kind of have a, uh, I don't know. Utah kind of has a soft spot in your heart, at least right now. So I'm just kind of curious to hear about that. Yeah. Born born and raised in Utah in uh, Utah County. So I don't know, about 45 minutes Wait, south U- of so- Utah County? Yeah. So there's, a, there's just, a county in Utah called Utah County? There is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, well. it's, uh, it's the county where like Brigham Young University is. Um, Let me pull up and, Google Maps here. Yeah. So it's about 45 minutes south where I grew up of uh, Salt Lake City. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, the one of the bigger populated areas in the state that's not the Salt Lake Valley. Right. So I was um, I was low key thinking about moving to Utah for a little while, probably like it's probably like a year ago now that I was like looking into that stuff. Um. And so I, I did a little bit of research there, and obviously, it really seems like if there's just like Salt Lake City, this like massive city with a lot of uh, you know suburbs, and then and granted, most of this I'm I'm getting from Google Maps, like literally what I'm looking at right now. But um, <laughs> right from the research I was doing back then, shit too. Like it, it literally just looks like a huge city. I guess the fucking lake too, and then it's just like mountains, pretty much. Like that's all I'm seeing. Is that yeah. is that an accurate description of the state of Utah? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty accurate. So Utah, especially like the Salt Lake City area, we have the Wasatch Mountains that are they basically line the entire valley where all of the population is that the the vast majority of population that lives in Utah. So what makes Salt Lake city and Utah County, the like Provo area Mm -hmm. really interesting is I can literally drive from where I live right now, 10 minutes and be at five or six different trailheads. Damn, man. That's and... that's that was like kind of what was drawing me over there. I a buddy I hiked with on the AT actually moved over there after he got back from his through hike and and that's 
you know, I, I have to live in a place where I can have easy access to the mountains. And so that mm-hmm. was one of the reasons I've never even been to fucking Utah, but that was one of the reasons why I was kind of looking at, you know, the Salt Lake area because I could like get a software job like I have now, but I could also have easy access to to hiking right. and stuff. So and there's, there's not yeah. that many areas in the country where you can have both of those things, you know? Yeah. And I think it's not to say anything negative about like Colorado by any means, but, <laughs> but, but I think, but I think that the Salt Lake and the Salt Lake Valley in the area and the Wasatch range is very much a hidden gem. Unless you're a skier, you know that the skiing here in the Salt Lake area is phenomenal, mm-hmm. but everybody talks about Colorado and like the front range, the Boulder area being like, that's where you want to be if you're an outdoorsman and it's got the best hiking. And I'm like, but Utah, Utah yeah. <laughs> has like, and Colorado has the desert as well. But within three hours, three, four hours of where I live, I can be in Moab to some of the best desert hiking and climbing and just adventure opportunities that you you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Or I can be in 11,000, 12,000 feet high alpine mountains within an hour and a half of where I live. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's quite a variety, dude. That sounds sick, honestly. Um, I'm still so, I'm still interested in the area. We'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't have too much of a plan right now, but um, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to leave home too. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, because it's like you know, here in Vermont, it's like the same thing. Well, not the same thing with desert and high altitude and shit, but as far as access goes, you know, I can get to a lot of different places, you know, Adirondacks, White Mountains, obviously the stuff here in Vermont, um, very easily weekend, no problem for any of those places I just mentioned. So that's like why I like living here so much, but at the same time, I'm, I, I, I do want to go experience something, you know, not immediately, you know, something different, not immediately, but, uh, at some point, you know, in the relatively near future. And so, I, I'm, I'm like trying to look at different areas that that have easy access to, to mountains, but I can also get a software job because obviously, you know, I'd love to go live in like North Conway, New Hampshire in the White Mountains, but yeah, not too much yeah. for uh, software uh, jobs there. So it's like I got to have some sort of balance. So would you, would you say that you, you're um, having having grown up in Utah, like had a, a pretty significant impact on, you know, where you are now with the channel, with being such a you know, a passionate outdoor person, that sounds weird, hiker, you know, fly, fly fisherman, I don't even know what to say, (laughs) you know, being, being so like interested in the outdoors now. Yeah. I, to be honest, I, I blame my parents for cultivating a relationship basically with the outdoors and family vacations when I was growing up were, going camping mm-hmm. and the, it was a lot of fishing growing up and just spending a lot of time in the outdoors. And so it's, it's always been something that has, I don't know. I just don't think about other things. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and I have other passions and, and such that are not necessarily outdoor related, but yeah, I would say that, I mean, if I lived in a place like Oklahoma or something that I didn't have, access to as as to as many areas or iowa yeah for sure i mean i've got hundreds of thousands of acres of uh public land that 
is available within very short distances. And so the access and the ability to just get out and do anything I want at, at any time is it's hard. It's hard to pass that up. So, Oh yeah. And I guess answering your question about how it has affected my channel, I think it makes a big difference in how I've been able to get out and do as much gear testing as I do on my channel, because I have the ability very easily to get out into very diverse environments. Oh, true. Honestly. That'll, yeah. That allow for me to, to test a, a various different things. So like if I have a new tent, for example, I can take that into crazy high alpine storms, high winds, low temperatures. And then the next weekend I could take it to the desert and test a totally different environment that yeah man you don't you don't get in a lot of other places and no so i like i never even thought about that honestly it, it allows for me to just basically do whatever i want with my channel and create as much content outside as possible and that's always been something that has been a huge huge part of my channel is until i moved to where i'm at now i had pretty much filmed every single video outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When did you start your channel? You've been doing this for a while, haven't you? Yeah, it's like six or seven years. Dude, that's fucking crazy. Because I feel like <laughs> when I was first like starting, like getting into backpacking and stuff back when I was in high school, I feel like I, I stumbled across a couple of your videos like or just the name Backcountry Exposure. Like, like, like I've, I've been aware of that name for a while now. So, okay. You've been, you've been doing it for a while. Talk to me about like the start. Like, why'd you start the channel? Did you ever expect it to, you know, blow up into something with over 20,000 subscribers and all this stuff? Yeah. I, I don't think I ever really had a, a goal in mind of what I wanted to accomplish with the channel. The biggest thing that I, that I remember vividly in my head is that I wanted to be able to test as much gear as possible because mm -hmm. I love, I love gear and I love talking about gear. And so what I did before I started the channel is I started a blog because I thought, well, if I have all of this gear and I enjoy talking about it, my wife is pretty tired of always talking about <laughs> and and having me use her as my outlet right to talk about the things that i'm passionate about um and we were like newly married at the time and <laughs> it it was just like one of those things that okay i got to figure out a way to channel my passion into something that isn't we can have other conversations than just talking about gear right so right. i started i started a blog called backcountry exposure and the name just comes from exposing the backcountry, if you put it in reverse. So really I catch simple. Your drift. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I started a blog writing gear reviews, and then I was like, well, it'd probably be a good idea to have some kind of short video review that I can put embedded into each of the posts that I write for these reviews on the blog, the written mm -hmm. reviews. Then I got pretty tired of writing and noticed that as I was uploading more videos, that the videos were getting way more traction and views and just engagement than the blog ever was. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of stopped writing and then focused on video. Was it more fun doing the video stuff? Yeah, way more fun, way more 
uh, rewarding because I was getting real time results and real time conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm, comments and I'm and like looking at your your most popular. I, I just sorted by most popular. This <laughs> <laughs> your most popular video. How to poop in the woods, dude. It's like a picture of you squatting with like an arrow. <laughs> That's so, I, I love the, I love the thumbnails, man. I I know you've seen my video. Like you know, I love the thumbnails. Yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> so that's that's so funny, dude. Um, how long did it take before you started to notice, uh, you know, picking up some traction with your videos and stuff like that? I, I got I got a, I got a nerd out about the YouTube stuff because. You know, I've been doing my videos for the past couple months now, and this stuff fascinates me. So it's yeah. always cool to talk to people that are, um, you know, making similar content. So yeah. Anyways, like how how long did it take before you started to notice like a little bit of traction? Well, I think if, after I hit about five hundred, seven hundred fifty subscribers, I was still under a thousand. I was just kind of creating like, every I was really focused on a lot of, uh everyday carry stuff so there were there were some firearm reviews in there and firearm videos knives flashlights and then i was also doing backpacking stuff and gear and so it was just this kind of unnecessary conglomerate of Mm -hmm. all of this content and it was once i stopped doing all of the edc stuff that the backpacking videos are what people were really interested in and when I focused on that as the primary purpose of of the uh, the channel, because if you go back through like my, my earliest videos, there's a lot of uh, firearm stuff in in there, mm-hmm. um, which is just another one of like the random, uh, not necessarily outdoor related passions that I have. But I don't share that on my channel anymore because it's. I mean, we we know why. <laughs> with, with youtube and everything yeah, um, yeah but even before all of that i had stopped because what i found that i enjoyed creating the most were the the backpacking videos and it's funny that you bring up the wag bag and how to poop in the woods because that video is what launched my channel into being able to be as i don't know i, I feel like it's successful but in the the grand scheme of things, right, 20, right. 27,000 Dude. subscribers is not that many people. I mean, that's a lot of people, bro. Don't be, don't be flexing on my four, almost 5,000. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Dude, that, that's a lot. That's a lot of people though. In this video, this, this how to poop in the woods video. It's has, hilarious, man. Dude, 1.7 million views. That's it's, crazy. It, yeah, it's bro. crazy. That's absolutely I, insane. Well, and it's funny when I look at the analytics of that video, it has some of the lowest watch time of <laughs> all of my videos. It's it's like right around one minute of watch time. And, and that video has made me a decent amount of money, which is cool. But the amount of subscribers that came from that video is like close to 5,000 subscribers. I Dude, think. isn't that so... Like, people fucking click on a video learning how to shit in the woods and then they're like, oh, you know what? This guy's pretty cool. I'll subscribe to him. <laughs> right. like, like, no offense, but I just think that's fucking hilarious. No, uh, <laughs> no offense taken. And it's funny when you look... Because you know how you can look at like keyword or yeah, yeah. like uh, highest searched terms? Mm-hmm. Why people are searching the word poop on YouTube... <laughs> It just blows me away. And that's like, <laughs> that's primarily where the the views are coming from is people are searching poop. 
on <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> so I don't know so how good. many people are actually backpackers, but they see me so, squatting with a with a mylar bag under my butt. So why do you why do you think that video did so well then? I think it's just different content and it just it something hit the algorithm because it it went from really poor performance. I think within the first month it only had maybe 10,000 views and then something switched on it and it just for the next like three, four months, it just took off. And I was Damn. getting like 100,000, 200,000 views in very short periods of time. And I was right. like, this is crazy. Yeah, and I haven't bro. had any other video have that kind of, um, well, I had a, a hot tent video that took off in the algorithm pretty good um, over the winter. Winter Within... camping in a hot tent with friends. So that, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So that so was only I four think... months ago. Shit, yeah. That's pretty yeah, so 120,000 like... views four months ago. That's pretty good. And that one started off pretty pretty like slow in its growth as well. Um, but I don't know, man. <laughs> the YouTube algorithm is difficult to, to predict. And it's... All I know is every time I make a video... With a, with a picture of me pointing at a piece of gear and then the word crap also pointing at the piece of gear. Th- those always do like way better for some reason. So I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do more of that because that plus it's just I just think that's fucking hilarious. Like just like pointing at a Nalgene bottle, like crap fucking Nalgene bottle. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just think that's funny as hell. Like people people watch some of that stuff and, and they take it like super seriously, like, oh like Nalgene's are like fucking better for the environment and i'm just like i don't like i don't know it's, i just think it's a funny thumbnail <laughs> it, what's funny to me is the amount of clickbait that we are constantly just constantly flooded with on facebook or instagram or on youtube like so much clickbait <laughs> whether it's in text form or video form and everybody still falls for it i know well okay so here's here's a good question um what do you consider clickbait because i feel like like for me clickbait is when you have a title thumbnail combo that promises something that hooks you in but then the video like doesn't live up to it right like it's it's not actually what the video is about or something i feel like i I don't know i don't know I, i guess for me if if the if the title and thumbnail is like catchy and like a little bit cringy or whatever but but the video still is like related to what the thumbnail and title says then I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really see that as clickbait. I just see that as like a good thumbnail and title. You know. I mean, I, I yeah. know. I know. I know what you're going for. Like, I, I know what you're saying. But I've just like had these thoughts for a while and haven't gotten, gotten a chance to talk about it yet. So <laughs> I just had to get that out there. <laughs> yeah. No. I think I. I honestly think that's a good conversation because. Um, I'm trying to think of. There, there's a channel that I that I follow that, he posted, and. I don't know. I'm derailing your your question a little oh, bit. Dude, you're good. It wasn't really much of a question, honestly. <laughs> no, but uh, so I think there's a difference between I'm going to use the term clickbaity. That you have things that are like titles and thumbnails that flirt a little bit mm-hmm. with clickbait, mm-hmm. and then you have full on clickbait that is you are pulling somebody in that is deceiving them to yeah. watch your video. Yeah. That that title and thumbnail. I mean, it's like. <laughs> did you have some had, good thumbnails i'm looking through this I, I had i had this i had this this comment in a in a facebook group uh chat yesterday in fact 
we were talking about thumbnails and stuff and I'm kind of going all over the place with this, but my comment to one of the guys in the, in the group was if, if boobs and cleavage can sell, then why can't a dad bod? (laughs) Right. So like that, that's the kind of thing that, that I'm talking about is you see people and you can go look in the comments as well of those types of thumbnails when it's like you've got somebody that's really attractive yeah, or yeah. it's it's just that that thing that that sells whatever that doesn't have anything to do with the video right. that's clickbait like that is really poor clickbait i agree and i don't i don't appreciate that kind of stuff but um videos and or video titles and thumbnails that <laughs> that makes something sound potentially worse than it is. I mean, it's like the it's like the video titles of the best sleeping bag on the market, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not the best sleeping bag on the market, but, but like that dope. title. And it's like most people that see that stuff, like they know, you know, they're not literally clicking on that and being like, okay, this is objectively the best sleeping. And then they're like pissed off when it's just like a, you know, a good sleeping. Like, you know, it's like, I feel like people at least with my channel by now, at least my subscribers anyways, like know that you got to take most of my titles and thumbnails with a, a, a grain of salt. Cause right. <laughs> honestly, dude, I love the thumbnails. The thumbnails are so much fun. I, I spend like almost as much time on my thumbnails as I do like actually like filming and editing the video. Eh, that's a little bit of an overstatement, but I spend a lot of time on my thumbnails and like, they're fun. I don't know. I just think it's like funny to just do like, you know, again, I'm not like misleading people. I'm not deceiving people. But uh, I don't know, just like in that video, I had a pic, a, a, you know, the thumbnail was a Nalgene bottle and I was pointing to it and I said, you know, crap or whatever. And then I talked about why I think Nalgene's are crap. Like, I don't know. I think yeah. that's, I yeah, just yeah, think yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Well, and I, to go back to that other channel that I was talking about, he posted a video within the last like few days that was like an image of all of this ad stuff that we're seeing with Amazon and like AdSense. And it was a really catchy, good title. And I was like, Oh, this could affect me. I'm interested to see what he says. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, a seven, eight minute video in like six minutes of the video is, and this is what I don't like about vlog style. We don't have to necessarily rabbit hole (laughs) into the conversation, (laughs) but it does, it does tie into the fact that like, you can, it's it's a strategy, especially in the vlog style videos, where I can vlog and get the watch time from people wanting to see what I clickbaited them in right, on, my, right. on my title or my or my thumbnail, and I'll I'll spend thirty seconds talking about what I actually had a thumbnail or a title about, <laughs> but. I suckered you into watching seven minutes of my video right. to be able to even see what I'm talking about. And that's the kind of stuff that I, I see the strategy behind it, but I don't, I don't like to take that approach with my channel. Yeah. And I feel like it kind of depends on like the, the video. Cause like with a trip video, for instance, say you're going out for a three day backpacking trip, whatever you want to make a video of it. You could just title it, you know, white mountain three-day backpacking trip right but no one's yeah yeah. no one gives a fuck about that so if you title it something i don't know just like maybe something crazy happens during the hike and then you make that the title that the thumbnail i don't know that's like kind of the i guess somewhere in the middle because on one hand people probably know that it's i don't know maybe they don't know that it's like a 
full trip video, especially if it's a longer video. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm like I'm starting to think about that stuff because as it warms up and hopefully as the uh, the lockdowns loosen here, um, I'd like to start making some trip videos because I don't really hike too much during the winter. And um, it just so happens that I started my channel channel at the start of the winter. So I just I just haven't really made, you know, I've got a couple of videos, uh, but most of my videos aren't on trail yet. And I would like to start making some on trail videos once I start hiking again, as I normally do um, content aside. But I'm like trying to think of ways that I can make like good, like draw people in still without a misleading them. Or B, just having, like, a shitty... Because, t- like, again, White Mountain, three-day backpacking loop, like, isn't really going to cut it, you know? Do you have any advice yeah. for that? You're much more experienced at this shit than I am. Well, so, but that's what's so interesting to me about YouTube is, like, take... Are you familiar with Firebox Stove? Um, I don't think so. No. So, he's... Firebox Stove is a company. They make uh, wood-burning outdoor, like, cooking stoves. Which they're really, really cool. And the guy is actually, the company's based here in Utah. So they're a local local company. And their product is awesome. But what's interesting is he'll have, I mean, the guy has, I'm looking at his channel now, he's got 176,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. But the titles that he uses are so simple and basic and generic. But there's 20,000 Four hundred seventy-five thousand, just like crazy amounts of views mm. for really basic, simple things. Like he's got a title here that says "Pack Goat Hiking, Camping, Fishing." <laughs> like that's this is, not this is that's not, not much not to ca- it. <laughs> yeah, there's not much to it. So it's like I see stuff like that that have crazy amounts of views to it, and then you have the other side of the spectrum of very much clickbait style, catchy things that are like, Oh, that sounds interesting. And then maybe it's not a very interesting video. Yeah. So I don't, dude, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit, I guess I'll just have to fucking throw some stuff at the wall and see what, see what sticks. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, even today, for example, I went back on several of the underperforming videos that I have. And I changed the titles on them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to do anything. We'll see if the algorithm picks it up, but yeah. We'll see. Yeah, dude, I don't know. It's an interesting game. People are probably like, we don't care about your stupid YouTube titles, but I don't know. We think about this stuff, folks. We think about this stuff. It's important. It is important. It is important. I don't know. It's like, I feel like maybe with like bigger channels who are already established, then maybe they can just title it whatever they want and people are still going to watch it but like when you're first starting out like i you know i am still at this point it's like you got to have something to draw people in because no one fucking cares like who i am you know (laughs) and there's and there's something there's something to be learned in that conversation for anybody listening yeah definitely (laughs) definitely (laughs) well shit there's there's your youtube advice folks um yeah dude i mean we'll probably end up talking about it more I don't know. This stuff's this. It's fascinating for me, dude. Like I'm, you know, I'm getting started. I guess I'm. Well, but of... you're having you're having a different conversation than talking to a through hiker. It's true. It's true. But that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you? So when you go on a let's let's kind of work this back into hiking a little bit. But I'm still I'm still I'm still trying to think about the video stuff. Um, what are you What are you shooting with camera wise these days when you're when you're on trail? What's your setup? 
Man, it's it's changing. I know all it's always changing. That's why I said these these days. Like, what are you doing like yeah. right now? Well, to be honest, I have for trip videos. I am on my iPhone 11, like 100. percent So really? I take I yeah. For some reason, I get really irritated when I see shaky footage mm-hmm. that comes from. Uh, whether it's my camera or anybody else's camera. So for for the ease of being able to film in 4K and have something that doesn't take up a, a huge amount of space, it's not super heavy, the iPhone is just working wonders. <laughs> How's the Is the audio still good on it? Yeah, and for the most part, the audio does really good. I do use an external mic. Oh, so okay. I use yeah, I use the the video micro on the, the video on micro. the iPhone. Yeah. Oh yeah. damn. See, I don't. So, I'm I'm not an iPhone guy. I, I'm like behind the curve with phones and stuff. I'm always like getting used phones. So that's that's pretty. <laughs> that's sick though, especially for like a through hike. I'm just thinking. I know a lot of like people who vlog their through hikes and make like a ton of videos over the course of a through hike do this, but just having like a phone would be so much easier than carrying like a full. Even a mirrorless camera with like, you know, a couple lenses and an external big microphone and all this stuff, that, that would be much easier. Yeah. So I also have a Sony A6500 and I've got a couple lenses for that. And mm. I primarily, anything that's not trip related, I film everything on that because it, it's a phenomenal camera. The, the video quality is great. It's easy to uh, color grade in post on it and... It just, it's a great camera for filming. I'm not in love with it on the trail because it's more difficult to get a very consistent exposure on every, Mm, every, uh, every clip. And that to me is actually really important. And the, the iPhone, even though the, the, the dynamic range on the iPhone has everything pretty high saturation and, high contrast and there's not a lot of opportunity to color grade and edit and make it how you want it to look. Mm-hmm. The iPhone is consistent. Yeah, man, that's true. And, and so I use, I use the phone on the trail and I've got a small, uh, Zion smooth Q two, I think is what it is. Uh, but it's a, a gimbal. Oh, okay. Okay. That yeah. I use as well. And it's, it's awesome. It's it's a good setup. That sounds a uh, yeah. Maybe I should get. I don't know, dude. I'm I'm like trying to figure out what I'm gonna do for like film or for like a camera and stuff this summer. I, well, I mean, I'm probably gonna stick with what I have for now because I can't really afford to buy a new camera. But <laughs> I'm I'm almost thinking like the exact opposite thing. I'm almost thinking about getting like a an R, a Canon R, honestly, and like going all in on mm. like a nice, like expensive ass camera. Cause right now I have a, an M50, which is like good. It's a nice, like a entry level, like mirrorless camera. And like, it's, it's, it's good for just, you know, fucking around in my room or whatever with my stupid talking head videos. But like, sure, sure. I feel like on trail, I mean, I, I've brought it on trail, but not for video. I, I've just been taking photos with it uh, when I was using it last summer. Cause I didn't have the balls to start my channel yet. So I don't know, like, once I start doing video stuff, like, the battery life isn't good. So I'm torn between either, uh, for my next, like, I don't know, for on-trail stuff, I'm torn between just going all out, getting an R, 
and then just like you know dropping like fucking three grand on all that shit <laughs> or just getting honestly just getting like a like a point and shoot or or even like an iphone or something like that um just because while you're actually on trail obviously a, a minimalist setup like that is gonna be beneficial so i don't know i'll have to i'll have to talk to some other folks and and see what they're doing but we'll we'll see what happens do you have any other uh wisdom as far as um actually shooting video on trail not, and not just for people um like me with stupid channels but for just for anybody who's you know going out and wants to get some some cool footage of their hike i th- to be honest i think just allowing yourself to be as creative as possible with whatever gets you excited is what you should be doing is what you should be doing because I mean, anybody can go out on the trail and set their camera up on the ground and get a, get a, <laughs> get clips of them like walking away. Do, do or, you do those shots, dude? Do you, do you... I, I do, but <laughs> it, uh, there, I, I, I really try to tell a story with my videos and I don't, I don't want to necessarily talk about too much of like my creative process because it uh not that it's secret but <laughs> people people might people might rip you off <laughs> yeah cuz i i've i've changed how i i film and edit my videos and i film my videos with an edit in mind so i don't just interesting like, okay yeah i don't just like take a bunch of of video clips and then go like well yeah let's see how this comes together and we'll just edit it I think about the type of trip that I'm going on. Am I going on like a desert trip that is a lot of off trail stuff? Am I going to be in the water a lot? Is that going to change how I capture shots? Who am I going with? So I consider all of those different things when I'm going out. And sometimes I go with the mindset of this is going to be more of a talking video or this is going to be more of a scenery video. Mm-hmm. And then I try to think of, I want to create this particular shot as I'm out on the trail. And then I look for that opportunity while I'm out on the trip. Or as I'm hiking, I start to think about what story is developing. And then I try to continue to tell the story knowing that I'm going to edit it that way as I'm out on the trail. That's really interesting. I never even thought about that. Cause like I said, I've, I've only made like a three to be exact trip videos so far. And they were also my first three videos I ever edited. And I shot them both before I even had the channel or anything like that. So hmm. I haven't really thought about that very much. And I, I think naturally for me, it would have been, just go in and film a bunch of shit and then piece it together afterwards. Like if I'm not sure, I'll just film it. And then if I don't want to use it, I won't use it. So I feel like that's probably what separates someone who's still learning that kind of stuff like me um, from someone who has more experience in, in doing it. Cause I'm, I'm assuming that's also going to make the editing process easier too. If you're not sifting through as much shit, I mean, I'm sure there's still some stuff you don't include, but if you shot it in a way that kind of complements the way you're going to edit. I, I guess that would be easier than like, for instance, I made this video of the, of the foothills trail. Um, mm-hmm. and I shot it, I shot it in April of last year. I didn't actually finish editing it and post it until like October. So I shot it before I even had the channel, um, knowing that maybe I would start a channel if I ever 
got the balls to do that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just kind of shot, I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I just kind of pieced it together. And honestly, I think it came out okay. But like, I don't know that that just fascinates. I don't even know where I'm going. I'm freaking rambling now, but that just fascinates me as someone who's like getting into the stuff and starting to plan different trip video stuff. That's, that's cool, man. Yeah. And the other thing that I do is unless I'm talking to the camera, very rarely my clips are more than 30 seconds in length. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the clips of where I have to, like I'm walking past the camera or I'm doing something that's that's wide and I start recording and then walk away. Um, those are longer, but uh, this this goes into like my style a little bit more where I've started creating videos that are more jumpy. Not like a bunch of jump cuts, but I'm trying to capture more short clips at a time that bring in different angles and different, uh, I don't know. It it just allows for people to stay more engaged Mm -hmm. than if you're spending so much time, like three minutes of talking or 45 seconds straight of you walking away from the camera. Like that gets boring (laughs) really fast. And you have to like, you have to consider how does this fit into the story of what's happening? And granted, like when you're out on a trip, you don't know. I mean, on a through hike, you start in Georgia on the AT. You don't know what's going to happen when you get to New York. Mm-hmm. Like you can't tell that piece of the of story course, yet. Of course, of course. But I mean, you dumb it down to a weekend trip. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday when it's still Friday. But I can at least look ahead at like what kind of story am I wanting to tell? And every story has a beginning, middle, and an end, right? So if my if my trip doesn't have some kind of beginning, middle, and end that allows me to tell a full story that keeps people engaged through the editing process, then that video is probably not going to do very well. Interesting. So how do you how do you tell a story of a backpacking trip, right? Because I feel like for me, it's just like. I wake up and I hike and then I go to bed. Like, I don't know. I I guess maybe like some, you know, there could be, there could be an interesting or exciting or unexpected thing that happens over the course of that day. But how do you, how do you wrap that all up into one story? And I I know it's probably not like a straightforward answer, but I'm just, I'm I'm just trying to kind of poke at you a little bit here to, to get some, I get some knowledge for my videos, honestly. No, no, I, I think that, I think that's where a creative person is separate from somebody who is less their brain is less wired in a creative uh setting and would you would you say you've gotten better at it as you've done it more yes yes for sure but i i don't know i think maybe this is tooting my horn a little bit uh too much but i used to be a professional photographer for about six seven years so I did, I did like wedding photography, I did portrait photography, family photography, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And th- where, what I'm getting at with that is those kinds of scenarios required on the fly, like quick, creative things to, to come up with. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at a venue, I've never been there before, I have to quickly figure out what's happening in that venue, what's happening around me. Uh, environmental wise, whether it's people or the facility or weather, that kind of stuff. And then just be able to like quickly 
adjust and uh, adapt to what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I've applied that to being out on the trail and filming videos and just being out with the camera. Like it doesn't always have to be verbal, your storytelling, but I'm now forgetting like <laughs> the full premise of your question, but my, That's what happens my, when you ask such like an open ended yeah, question about my, my storytelling I try to pull in both the visual aspect that may pull in some audio uh, through music that engages like setting up a scene or an ability to talk about something that's taking place and then uh, tell the story also verbally. Mm-hmm. And I think I think a good example of one of the ways that this really came together for me in a video was... I, I did a solo backpacking trip and it was in Capitol Reef National Park. And uh, I'm just pulling up the video because I can't actually remember the, the title of it. But if, you, if, if listeners really want to see what this storytelling process was like for me, um, it was called When Things Don't Go As Planned. Interesting. And uh, basically, I went out on this trip and things started to not go as I had planned for them to go. And I used all of those points that came up of, okay, this isn't working out. Weather has changed. I'm out solo. These are conditions that I might experience. All of those aspects started to become the story. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I focused on in telling the story of that trip. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to check that out, dude, because, uh, yeah, I need to learn that shit. Honestly, I think, uh, I think it's, I think that's going to be fun though, kind of going out and, and I've said this in other, in other episodes, more so talking about photography even than, than video, but Mm -hmm. it's almost like, you know, as someone who's hiked, you know, thousands of miles up to this point, never having carried a camera before. It's almost <laughs> sure. like, it's almost like given me, you know, having the camera and, and looking forward to doing the video stuff too. It's like, it, it, it gives a fresh take on something I've been doing for so long now, like a certain way. I don't know. It, it's like refreshing almost. To, okay. Cause you know, I've, I've done so much like hiking now. It's like, now I get to add in this whole new thing that I haven't really done before. And it kind of builds on top of the normal hiking stuff. So Mm-hmm. I'm just really excited to kind of explore that that whole process, man. Um, well, and the other thing about it, too, is you don't have to do it the way that I'm doing it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And and that's what's really fun about video and just being a creative person is you find what works for you and your personality. Like if you compare my my YouTube channel to and the videos that I create, and compare them to to you and your personality. <laughs> like you would you would never see me uh, intentionally with trekking poles falling down my my stairs <laughs> <laughs> on, um, on my on my on my channel. Like, but like that's part of it. your personality. That video is hilarious, by the way. Thank I you. absolutely love I like that, that video. One. That's that's probably my favorite one, honestly. <laughs> but like that's what makes us different and makes things exciting and um so figure out figure out what works for you on the trail and experiment with it 
you could try the way that I approach things and see if it works for you and if it makes fun, engaging videos. But if it's like, oh, I didn't really enjoy that process, then I don't know, choose, choose something different. Yeah, man. I mean, it, I feel like the way I learn things creatively is to kind of like take influence from a lot of a lot of different uh i sound like a pretentious artistic douche when i say this but um i don't know like take influence from different people like with with my channel for instance you know i take influence from like the talking head videos in that that's like what a lot of my videos are like the style but then i also take influence from a lot of other channels that have nothing to do with backpacking that make stupid jokes and photoshops and then I kind of combine those two. So, so that's just like an example. So I, I do yeah, yeah. where I'm going here is I do like to hear about people's process and um, processes. Pro- I don't even know. But um, well, and you're actually you're the first person that's ever really asked that detailed of what my process is like. Did so I did funny. I spill it's, the beans? Are the no, secrets out no, now, dude? No, I've just never had any anybody ask me that uh, that specifically. I'm fascinated and, by that stuff, man. No, and it's cool. It's actually, it's fun to talk about it because I haven't verbally explained or expressed that yeah, yeah. In, in a long time. So it's, that's great. Well, boom. That's what the long form podcasts are for, man. I like it. That's um, awesome. I got one more question before we go to the story. I love asking uh, other people with channels this question. What's like the meanest comment you've ever gotten before that, that you remember? Because <laughs> I've gotten some pretty fucked up comments and I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's funny. I Sometimes I share these comments with my wife and she's like, man, if I was in your in your position, I would be like devastated or I'd be crying. And I'm like, you gotta have thick skin. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I mean, thick skin. Sure. But dude, I just don't even care. Like <laughs> anybody can have an opinion and share their opinion, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you, unless you give that person the attention that they want. Right. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not necessarily a young buck, but I'm not old either. I'm in my early 30s. And uh, I had clearly an older gentleman because he uh, made it pretty known that he was in his like 60, mid 60s. Sure, sure. And uh, he commented and he was like, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I've been I've been camping and backpacking since like 1974. And <laughs> what you're doing is like bullshit and you don't have any clue what you're talking about and you shouldn't ever be posting videos and sharing what you're talking about. It's just like stuff like that. And I was like, "Okay, really, boomer." Really, really, dude? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I like, get that I get that shit all the time cuz like I'm, I mean, I'm only 24, so people see my like baby face and all my energy and swearing and stuff, and they're like, "Fucking millennial piece of shit!" Like <laughs> I get that all the time, dude. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm not but even a like, millennial. I'm like freaking younger than that too. And they don't, they just anybody younger, stupid millennial. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. So I just replied something back with like, "Oh, hmm. I guess my <laughs> my uh, college degree in outdoor recreation management and 20." to 25 years of outdoor experience <laughs> doesn't apply to anything that I'm talking about. So. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, dude. It's ridiculous. I get comments like that all the time. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like start making videos. Once you get some experience, I'm like, 
fucking 3,000 miles. Is that, like, not enough? Like, how many thousand miles do I have to hike before I have enough experience to make a fucking yeah. YouTube video? <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's ridiculous. And I got called a, I got called a soy boy the other day. A soy boy. I'd never even heard that term before. I've, I've never heard that term either. A soy, I guess it's like a, I guess I Googled it. I was like, the fuck does, this is a soy boy. I guess it's like a, like a softy, like, I think it's a, generally like a, making fun of millennials kind of mm. kind of insult so i thought that was pretty funny a soy boy <laughs> and it's fucking that's it's interesting but all right. anyways i could go on and on about the comments and shit um dude we're getting to the end of the episode now why don't you uh go ahead and and share your story which i did not do a very good job of reminding you of i always like to own up to it to my for you and for my audience too when i don't give my guests uh an adequate uh uh heads up for these end of episode stories i always own it and i did not give uh, a very good heads up for this one so so anyways it sounds like you still got one though so uh let's hear it okay so i don't th- this isn't a story that i've ever really told but i don't know i don't have people ask me very many sto- questions about <laughs> sharing stories it's called about trail tales bro what what happened on your trip man <laughs> um but no this was this came to my head because I've been thinking about this particular trip uh, because I've been planning a uh, another trip on this trail in this area. So it's in the the High Uinta Wilderness in in Utah, and there's a twelve thousand plus foot peak that I had wanted to do for a long time. A good friend of mine from high school had just started to really start backpacking again. I was like, dude. Let's go bag Osler Peak. And this this peak is like, I think it's 12,500 feet. And it's a rugged bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it is not it is not easy by any means. So I I have a uh just an adorable, really good uh border collie Australian shepherd dog. And I was like, well cool, I can take my dog on this hike and he'll be able to get to the summit just fine. What ended up happening is we hiked out to where we would start hiking to to bag this peak. And Cooper is the name of my dog. And so I'm like, Cooper, let's, let's go do this with bag this peak. So we start hiking and we're looking at the route basically at the at the base of where the peak starts to rise out of this little valley mm-hmm. this or this basin and it is wicked rugged and just a ton of bushwhacking and i'm like what are we getting ourselves into there's no trail <laughs> there's nothing that is like this is how you get to the top of this peak and so we start bushwhacking through this like subalpine brush it's dirty messy and my dog is he's killing it he's doing a great job so then we start like making up into the big boulder fields and i'm like man these rocks are really sharp and i didn't think about how it was going to affect the dog but we we then get to the top of the peak we're at the top celebrate it's great, have snacks, and then we start descending down, and I notice that Cooper, my dog, is just like, he's struggling. Ooh. And I'm like, oh no. Like, did he get hurt? Did I just 
put him in a situation that was now I have to manage something that mm. I don't want to manage eight miles away from my car. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so I basically like forced him down the mountain. I was just like coaching him. Like I had stopped to, to check his, his paws to see if his pads had like gotten ripped up or anything. And they mm. were fine when I had checked at the time, but he was just exhausted. And finally we got down to the base of the mountain, started walking, trying to walk back to camp, which was only like three, 400 yards from where you drop back into the meadow at the base of the mountain. And Cooper just dropped. Like oh. I am not going another step. Damn. And I felt so bad, but I like turned and walked back to him and just sat down next to him, looked at his paws, and he had like three or four like totally ripped open pads. Oh, that sucks, Dan. And I was like, oh, I feel like such a terrible dog owner right now. Yeah. And so I carried him back to back to camp. He's only about 40 pounds, so he's not not a big dog. And he was just wasted. Like I put him in the tent I wrapped up his his pads a little bit and I was like, I guarantee you I'm going to have to carry him out yeah. on the trail tomorrow. And What's an extra 40 pounds in your pack? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fortunately, at that time, I had kind of legitimately entered like a pretty ultralight uh, setup with, with all of my gear. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the next morning we get up and he's not walking. He was just not having it. And I was like, damn, this yeah, is like the worst terrible. situation possible. And I have this on video. I have this on video. So, um, what we ended up doing is there was no way he was going to walk out and it was eight miles of trail to get back to the car. So we shoved as much of my gear possible into my buddy's pack and we put my dog in my backpack and I carried him out Damn. to the car. Damn, dude. <laughs> Eight miles. Eight miles on a, on a, a, a re- let's see, what pack was I? It was an Osprey Exos 38. <laughs> so I had a 40 pound dog stuffed into a 38 liter pack (laughs) it's not like designed to carry more than maybe 25 30 pounds at most Mm -hmm. and i had probably close to 50 pounds of gear well gear that includes the dog right right (laughs) and yeah that that was a that was a beast dude that's crazy hey it's one of those things where I'm sure you would agree if like if you're gonna bring your dog out there and shit goes bad, like at the end of the day you gotta you gotta take care of it. So <laughs> Yeah, man. So uh yeah, yeah he's he's such a good, good companion. Yeah. I just love that dog so much. That's well, I'm glad to hear that you both ended up okay. Um hopefully he was willing to go hiking with you again after that <laughs> experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's yeah. like when you bring your friend out and like absolutely like kick their ass like they're not a hiker and then they're just like I'm never doing this ever again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I guess the dog doesn't really have a fucking choice so. <laughs> Dude, that that's see because it ended up okay. It, it's hilarious. It's okay. It's it's hilarious that you had to carry him out. It's not hilarious that the dog that, that the dog got hurt. But um, right. Part of it's hilarious. Part of it's not. But anyways, either way, it's a good story. So yeah, dude. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for coming on yeah, the man. show. 
I think yeah. we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Why don't you go ahead and plug your your channel, your podcast, anything anything you want. Uh, yeah, so I guess just the two things. Uh, Backcountry Exposure on YouTube. And then recently I started a backpacking-focused podcast called The Backpacking Experience. So and that can be found anywhere that podcasts are found. Cool beans. Well, dude, thank you so much. I'll have a link to both those things in the show notes as usual. Right and on. with that said, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you. Right on, dude. Thank yeah, you for everybody, everybody listening. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Yeah.